Welcome Pathfinders to Find the Path Podcast, actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. Rumor Mill number 12. Number, number 12. 12. Hello. Things are uh, escalating quite a bit, so. Yep. It's, yes. Uh, it's getting intense underground. Although I have a feeling we're creeping up on the end of book one here, am I right? You're creeping. Ooh. Bit by bit. Not, not, not bit that close, time. apparently. Mm. Well, you know. I don't think Rick wants to tell us, yeah, this is the last fight or something, but... Go for broke. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I suppose let's go ahead and jump back into things, but uh, I, I will kind of address that a bit here. It's the odd thing with doing the milestone experience, which is mm. what we're doing for this, where we reach a certain like milestone and you guys level up. I think y'all leveled up initially in like episode, I think it was 11 or 12, and then uh, went until basically you guys started getting ready to come down here, which was like episode, I don't know, 30 or so? A little bit, yeah, around there. So it was like 18, 19 episodes without leveling up. And now I feel like you guys are going to level up again because it's all the fights are just condensed down into one place. And some of that might be the fact that there's just a lot of a lot of role play, a lot of talking to things. For those of you following the conversion notes, which I need to get to the second part of those out, <laughs> you'll note that there's a lot of times where the group would get, for lack of a better term, quest completion experience points. Mm. where there's a lot of times of just like, oh, well, you show up, you find out some information, you're getting experience for finding out about the previous Silver Ravens and all the rest of that. Even if part two didn't have as many encounters, there was still a lot of experience to be had there. Mm, fair enough. And maybe it just feels weird to me because I'm do I'm focused on the milestone experience, but I think that that just kind of ties back into if this was a regular experience progression, it would still be the same situation because you don't level up until you start the dungeon and get all the experience from killing things. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. I suppose we should jump back into uh, to things. So we're covering episodes 34, 35, and 36, which have kind of just been the uh, 34. Technically, you guys began in Hokum's Phantasmagorium, but you very shortly thereafter went down into the Mini Steps Monastery after mm -hmm. the little uh, puzzle thing with the statue, mm -hmm. piecing yeah. together all the clues. I was about to say, written mm -hmm. in Aslanti, if I remember correctly. It's been a couple episodes, obviously. But Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the first page of each of the texts, like the things mm -hmm. that we found were like an illuminated Aslanti rune. And when you put all those together, it was a yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, yes. Who is the master of masters? Yeah, you guys had uh, gotten a chance to kind of piece together the, the clues that you'd collected up until that point and determined uh, a means by which to access the lower levels, which had taken you down the many steps into the mini step monastery. It's almost like they knew what they were doing when they named it. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it mentions it specifically in here that they titled that. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, originally a joking name for the countless stairs residents <laughs> had to traverse <laughs> that eventually just stuck. Nice. Why couldn't we invent a magic escalator? I just feel it's like true. in real life, after we, we finish all of this, we all should go to Ripley's, believe it or not. Mm. Yeah, we could. It's we been could. a long time since I've been to one of those. There's one in... Uh, Grand Prairie. Yeah, Grand Prairie. That's it. Thank you. Yep. It's like it was somewhere out there. Anyway, as a fun side note, I don't have a problem telling you guys this now because uh, you guys descended deep down underground. Um, you had a chance to speak with the Scrivenite, who was mm. unaware of any of the conflict upstairs. It actually states in here that yeah, the events upstairs don't necessarily alert anyone downstairs, and it'll be one d four plus three days before <laughs> anyone here actually travels topside. Oh my gosh! Whoa. Wow. We had so we time. Had time. <laughs> They're very busy redacting down here. <laughs> so it seems, yes. <laughs> but yeah, you got to meet you live, the Scrivenite. Mm -hmm. They were cool. Only because we got to avoid the fight by being like, no, we had a key to this place. 
Yeah, really, I was just more sad for them that they have been forced to basically sit here and guard a bunch of people destroying knowledge. Yeah, that's yeah. cruel. Yeah. And they just were spiteful. summoned and bound by the same person who did the horrible tooth fairy thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also that. Yeah. Another clue to an earlier event. Yep. Mm -hmm. Foreshadowing. Still unresolved. And we found out Barzilla came down, grabbed a book, and left. The yeah. book that melted a pedestal. Did the yeah. through knights actually like figure out this this puzzle to open it up, or did they bypass it by a different means? With all the other information that Barzillai has, and considering he knew exactly what he wanted, he probably already knew how to get down here, is my guess. I feel like they probably divined some way of doing it or whatever. Or we're just clever. I'm sure that the things were already up to whenever they first came across this place, the, yeah. the pictures. Yeah, but it did it did confirm with him just being able to go down and find the book that he needed immediately that he's got some kind of either inside help or supernatural help. I mean, he is an inquisitor that gathering information is kind of what they do. Well, and, you know, considering everything that happened on the Night of Ashes and he knew exactly who to attack and he's staying in the opera house, which we know, which we know is the big Silver Raven base. He knew exactly what he was doing before he even got to the city. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. This might get a little bit off topic because, again, we're doing three adventure paths simultaneously between Hell's Rebels here, Mummy's Mask, as well as Tyrant's Grasp. Mm -hmm. Over on our Patreon. Yep, over on our Patreon. Uh, you're able to listen to it at the $5 tier. There's 60-something episodes at the time of this recording. And <laughs> I feel like Barzilla is almost the most, even with all the other adventure paths I've run, which is Rise of the Rune Lords and Second Darkness and Curse of the Crimson Throne and the, like eight other ones. Yeah, I feel like Barzilla is one of the most active primary antagonists. Mm -hmm. That they're immediate, like he's incredibly intelligent. He's immediately not waiting around for things to happen. He's actively pursuing his goals. Well, he seems to know exactly what he wants. We don't know why he wants what he wants, but he seems yeah. to know exactly <laughs> what he's doing and how to get it. So why wouldn't he just be doing it himself at that point? Well, and, yeah. and this adventure path especially introduces him super early, right? Like it's like for oh, yeah. us, it was like the second episode where he shows yeah. up, right? And like you can you you get to see kind of what he's been up to, like both like from the Night of Ashes on to like you know what he's doing in the on the you know sidelines. A lot of times in the Elder Adventure Paths, you didn't see that. Like you you would mm -mm. maybe not even know who the big bad was for like you know three or four books before you'd be introduced to them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it feels it's like this adventure path trust the PCs mm -hmm. to yeah. know what their abilities are and to recognize the power of this individual and the we need to build up some personal strength as well as like group strength as far as the Ravens are concerned before yeah. okay well we know that he's the bad guy so Let's third session we're gonna house. get together and attack the, yeah I'll attack <laughs> the opera house I would say it's actually it's actually more scary how well informed he is because like a lot mm. of times it's like oh you know the big bad evil guy they've done their thing and then they go like sit in their lair right and you you don't really see them grow and change whereas like I'm I'm concerned that he's going to grow and change and adapt to what we're doing in the city because he has been so active so it's almost yeah. scarier than just like knowing there's a quantifiable evil that you have to go deal with. I've heard through message boards a lot of people argue that Brazil is one of Paizo's best villains. Hmm. Hmm. I could see it. I think because of the fact that he is so hands-on, active and involved. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's that's it. That's yeah. the exact phrasing. That is he is hands. He's an inquisitor. He's mm -hmm. a hands-on yeah. evil guy. He's like I'm not just gonna sit up here and like cast some magic out here. It's <laughs> like no, I'm gonna go down there and pass judgment on you and bane you from three blocks away or something. <laughs> <laughs> you. But yeah, so you did find out that apparently uh, Brazilite did come down here, took all the rest of this way, and from you live, you learned about the other redactors, the tall man, as well as uh, that Knox was still present down mm -hmm. here. 
which eventually led you through a whole bunch of uh, Scrivener's cells. Yeah, and you describe the place as a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There were no survivors. It yeah. was sad. I mean, from what we've seen, there's no other way out than the you know the many steps. So yeah. if they barricaded that off, it's just a matter of time until they find everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the one uh, guy we found was injured and pretty much and bled out in his little hidey passage. hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sad. Yeah. So I suppose to to quickly uh, finish our little recap here, you'd found a cool little cube gate. I don't know about cool. Disabled it. Uh, I mean, well, it I is it interesting neat. from a magical uh, yeah, I was gonna perspective. Say, I mean, it was, it was interesting, but it was also highly dangerous. Hmm. That's par for the course. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. Of course it was highly dangerous. As a fun side note, I think Heather um, spent a hero point to keep herself from botching yep. with oh, a natural one. one it. Of it wasn't yeah. a natural one, but it was a failure. I rolled like a four or five or something. Uh, on a failure, it is a plus 10 melee attack roll against the character uh, for 2d6 points of slashing damage Ow. Ow. for each failure. Dear that's Lord. probably a wise use of a hero point. And that's each time that you attempt it. But you did manage to successfully close said gate and then uh, fought a pair of heck hounds, mm-hmm. which had been fun. I just like how we still call them heck hounds to this day. Heck hounds. <laughs> it's fun to say. Mm-hmm. Yep. They were they were pretty challenging, honestly, from the because of the fire like recharge mm. loop. Yeah, their synergizing tactics were really good. Like that was yeah. well done. Yeah, they are pack animals. That is something that I really like about Second Edition is actually the way a lot of abilities you can make a fun synergy with them. Mm-hmm. And you guys might have actually improved your odds because uh, if you cause too much noise or anything like that or get into a fight and retreat back, then you have to face the two of them with Nox. Because she goes and retrieves her hounds. Mm. But if the party has not raised the uh, the awareness of the people down here, then the hounds are still in their kennel, which is the lecture hall, ah, and yes. not with Knox. Yeah, which I so. think that, yeah, when we realized the dogs were in there, that was kind of the plan, is going ahead and deal with them now, so that way we don't have to deal with them with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was curious if you're going to go through that door, and then I was like, how many rounds worth of breath weapon would it take to burn this door down? <laughs> we would leave a door like that at our back. Just a bad idea. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. generally we, we don't do that. That's asking for trouble at that point. We just put a table in front of the door and just, they'll never get out. They're dogs. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. That's why they don't they don't have hands. How would they open the door? Yeah. But yeah, you guys had fought a pair of uh, heckhounds. Vittoria had gone down uh, into the, uh, well, not negatives anymore, into the dying condition, since mm-hmm. uh, negatives mm-hmm. don't exist in second edition. Of which had quickly been rectified, except for the wounded condition that she's still rolling around with. Oh, I yeah, I, I, I just imagine she's walking around, holding her side, trying to keep her insides from falling out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or again, it's probably one of those, like, you know, one of your arms is still, like, blackened from the fire and all the rest of that, because yeah, it wasn't yeah. direct. So it's like, you know, the, the subsequent, I think you played up, like, the subsequent fight of, I'm rolling terribly, which may be reflective of the fact that I don't have all the strength back in this injured arm. Yeah. Or, Something bur- like burn, that. Burn uh, injuries are no joke. I feel like oh, yeah. I'm discombobulated from my near-death experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And then you fought the lout, as well as the other redactors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ogrekin, by the way. I was yeah. not... Ex- like, really like, When I came down here, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Like, what is his story? Because, like, he's so out of place, it feels like, in a city. You'll never get his backstory, so I'll give it to you. Thank you. The lout is a, uh, he's a wretch. He was captured long ago by one of the priests of Asmodeus on a secret mission to Verisha and had spent several years under the various forms of magical control. 
in essence, he was just charmed by a priest. Mm -hmm. uh, today, the church has put him on loan for Knox to use in the archives in the case uh, the Asmodeans need someone with a bit of muscle. Mm. A bit? He now follows uh, Asmodean orders fanatically without needing magical compulsions. Oh. And oh, thinks of great. Knox as, quote, that nice devil lady. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. And apparently also thinks those dogs are his, even though they're Knox's. Yeah. But I imagine she probably let him play with the puppies or something like that. Cause, you know, he's, he's just a big guy. You got to entertain yeah. him somehow. I'm sure he doesn't do boredom very well. Yeah. Mm, true. <laughs> I don't. I doubt he was helping the redactors with whatever they were <laughs> yeah, doing. Yeah, definitely so. not. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of curious whether or not that uh, that trip to Verisha had anything to do with the uh, Infernal Engines. Oh. Ooh. I could believe it, yeah. If you know who Mammy is, you just know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that, exactly that what we're talking true. about. <laughs> you never uh, forget Mammy. You, you, you never, never forget, forget Mammy. Mammy. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that fight went pretty well for you guys. Yeah? Yeah, I think we prepped well. I mean, it could have been a lot mm -hmm. worse. I assume if he critical does, it would have been horrible, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. that's his thing is um, the lout is relatively accurate. However, what the the big challenge with him is the sheer amount of damage he does, yeah. which I'm sure Ross is aware of, considering he took like 13 points of damage. And yeah. that wasn't even me necessarily rolling particularly well. Mm -hmm. That was like that seemed like somewhat average, if I recall. But yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I know that we uh, kind of brought this up in game, specifically Jessica did, but uh, apparently battle medicine does not remove the wounded condition. No, battle does medicine does not. Yeah. So even if it brought me back up to full hit points, it's still I would still be wounded. Well, if you're back yeah. at full hit points, it goes away. After 10 minutes of rest. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, if you get critical twice, you're dead. Like that, yeah. that wounded condition will oh, make yeah. your life hard. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm not excited. I'd put down with criticals <laughs> twice. Yeah. yeah. I've lost a character to that. Yeah, you guys finished with that fight, uh, got yourselves ready, and then continued on, checked the next room before entering into the, uh, as they describe them here, the meditation gardens. So mm. peaceful. They're beautiful, and I love them. I know, that's I the problem. I don't like that she's so got nice. a fire going in the middle of it. I'm I'm sure. She's already burning here. everything that was in there. I'm sure the books and everything that are around her are the most important ones. Oh, yeah. not too, I wasn't yeah. like, it's just that it's all nature and nice in here. Like, don't burn the flowers and stuff. And yeah. the fruit trees. How dare you? I'm more concerned about what she's burning that could have been of use to us. But Because you know. I'm guessing then if we did, if we had taken the 10 minutes of rest, she just burns more stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But we would have had more resources, so it's that's the trade-off. I don't know. That's why taking the 10-minute breaks all the time in second edition, I don't like it. Because I'm like, that just gives the enemies more time to prepare. That just gives them more time to mess with everything else. I don't... I don't well, like the game, it. The game is designed that you will have to rest at some point, right? Well, I think there's, I think there just has to be a balance. Like you just have to know which situations you can and can't. Just like in first edition, sometimes you can go on, sometimes you can't. I think you guys might need to invest in some healing potions when you get out of here. Definitely wands, maybe though those are more expensive. Now, oh, those are a lot more true. expensive. But that only only gives you one extra heal a day too. Hey, that's basically an actual spell though, because you can use like yeah, it's the equivalent of an extra yeah, spell per day. That's yeah. true. So wands are basically the equivalent of having like a, um, what are they thinking, pearl power. Yeah, in some ways. Yeah. yeah, you definitely don't have access to the same healing as first edition, because in first edition you just have healing for days from your cleric or whatever, you know. Uh, it depends. If you have a cleric, yes, because a cleric can channel. But yeah, so we left off teasing with you guys with your uh, your final meeting with Nox. Your first, potentially your last meeting with Nox. Uh, hopefully last. Hopefully. Better be last. You better <laughs> not fly away like a coward. She's well, supposed to be a fighter. I don't faces. know if she can fly away at all. I don't know. She's some kind of devil or something. So. 
We don't know exactly what she is. We have no idea what yeah. she is, but she might have wings. It's true. She know. doesn't seem entirely human. Yeah. She's got the piranha mouth thing going on, so. Like I said, she looks. She reminds me of a Vortia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah. yeah. We're going to find out, though, when she bites us next episode, so. Yep. Yep. I think she's going to stab you with her stabby. Yeah. I mean, she I might think she's going to bite us. I think she's going to do a little bit of both because she looks like the fighter type. Both? But Glaive still have reach, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what she wants to do. Yeah, maybe she bites you if you get in close, or you know, maybe she swings the glaive and then steps in and then bites you for the finesse weapon. Is or the agile, weapon. agile? It depends on the natural attack, but. So yeah, that's anyway, where we left things off, uh, teasing this upcoming encounter. Shall we go ahead and jump into our emails? Sure. I think so. I think yeah, so. let's do it. So we have two emails today. Our first email comes from Robert from the Moon. Excellent. <laughs> hey, Robert. Excellent. How you doing on the from Moon, Robert? Watch out for those Very moon nice. beasts. Yeah, watch mm-hmm. out for the moon, moon beasts. beasts. Keep a cat handy. Uh, and say hello to the cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robert writes, hello, Pathfinder crew. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. It is I, Robert, the moon-dwelling former and real-life bounty hunter in the flesh. <laughs> Wait, you're a bounty hunter? That's rad. Yeah. Uh, he says that, yep, when I said I was an investigator, I really meant it. Yeah, I, I believe we had heard from Robert before at some point. That's a, that's a rad profession. Good, good on you. Yeah. Robert goes on to say, been a good couple of months since I first joined your Patreon and got to know your community. Oh. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Yes, yeah, yes, thank you. You folks have been incredibly welcoming, particularly Ross, who seems to be my character's biggest fan, at least as far as his Coltrane Journal readership goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. You write the Coltrane Journals. Okay, awesome. Yeah, no, those are fun. It's so nice to be part of the story. Yeah. And not to overshadow the incredible support I've gotten from my fellow fans, you guys all keep me writing and deserve a round of applause for keeping things fun and interesting between sessions. Aww, <laughs> thank, thank you, Robert. Thank you. We work Thanks. hard. <laughs> <laughs> Which, take it from me, can seem like an eternity when I'm really into a storyline. Mm. Oh, believe me, I understand. Yeah. I think everyone in the world has become corrupted by the... Uh, the Netflix binge watching. Oh yes. yeah, waiting Definitely. for the next part of a story oh, yeah. to come out. That's right. I, I straight up cannot watch like shows on the weekly anymore. Like I just can't do it. Mm. No, it's, I wait for me. everything that's weekly to finish and then binge it all at the, when it's all out because I can't. Exactly. Stand it. Yeah, that's how I do it too. Or I'll watch like one episode <laughs> and then completely forget. And oh yeah, I need to watch that show. And well, because like what happens is they do the thing where they put out a couple episodes, they go on break for a bit, and then I forget about it. You know, and then it comes back, but I've yeah. already forgotten about it because, you know, I've yeah. got the memory of a goldfish. No, I think we've all <laughs> been there at some point or another. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep track of everything that comes out because there's so much, you know, entertaining stuff these days. Mm. I fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, work with a large number of nerds. <laughs> and as such, every every single week you go back to work and it's that's the water cooler conversation it's like mm. did you see the new episode of book of boba fett i'm like no yeah i didn't well, we did, did now. you see the new episode yeah well we have now <laughs> but every time that there's the new star wars or whatever or marvel show or anything like that that comes out it's immediately did you see the new episode what do you think of this only just finally saw spider-man mm. yep it's good it's good it was good goes on to say i finished rumor mill nine I included this because the last time I did, Jeff briefly freaked out. The laughs were had. I wanted to ask you, Rick, how do you handle the details like days of the week and calendar dates? Uh, I have an easy solution to that, which is uh, Heather and Rachel. There's an Galarian months yeah. line up with our months. That's the same calendar, just different months. There's different names for the months. And then the days have different. Some of them do. It's Sunday, moon day, toil day, wheel day, oath day, oath day. fire day, mm-hmm. and star day. Yeah. 
Well, I meant more along the lines of like how we keep the journal stuff, which mm. is I just hand it over to the date at the beginning of the adventure path. And then you find that date and year in Galarian. And then yeah. you just mm -hmm. use the calendar. There's yeah, a website we, and some other stuff that you can use that has everything laid out. You just have to plug in the numbers you want. Yeah, because we like legitimately had a, a first edition uh, game that we played when we played Serpent Skull that like Heather's character had some abilities that was dependent on the phases of the moon. Yep, it's and a so train. like we were tracking the days and the phases of the moon, and all that can be done by looking some stuff up. Yeah, two thousand is forty seven hundred. That's what it is. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Correct. So forty seven fifteen is the twenty fifteen calendar as far as yes. moon phases and days of the week and all of that go. And they Precisely. have a leap year every four years, just like we do. So. It's pretty easy when you know, hey, okay, just what years correlate with what years. I wrote a, and then you just write it down. Yeah, I wrote a blog post that I think is on our website. It is. Um, like, because people were asking when we first started Mummy's Mask, so I wrote up how I keep the timelines. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every once in a while, I'll just, and usually gets cut my asking the question, but I'll just ask, like, what day is it? Like, day, as mm -hmm. far as day of the week is concerned, because... As a game master, it's always a good idea to understand your limitations, and that's one less thing that I have to keep track of while my players are already keeping a journal. So asking them, hey, would you mind writing the date down also in the day? I don't think is at me asking very much of you guys. And it keeps me from having to go, God, what? Like, I, I think in a recent Mummy's Mask, um, either Heather or Jessica asked me, it's like, what's the moon phase right now? It's like, I don't know what the moon phase is. <laughs> <laughs> Funny anecdote, actually, I'll keep this brief. Way back in the day when uh, Heather and I were back in high school and playing werewolf together. Uh. The moon face is incredibly important when you're playing a game about being werewolves. Yeah. And we did not have, we had, well, I didn't have the internet. And there were no smartphones yet. That's how old and we there are. There are no smartphones or anything. That's how, way back in the dark ages. That's how old all of us are. <laughs> There's no one alive back then. So I <laughs> would go to our local bookstore and um, every year I bought a calendar. And I actually bought some like backlog calendars from there. All wolf themed, by the way, because wolf calendars were really popular. And so I had paper calendars that I would like leave open. So I would have calendars from like four years ago open in my bedroom so that I could keep track of what the moon phase was. That's amazing. That's kind of awesome. I mean, you can get them on a discount yeah. because most people don't look at your previous year yeah, calendars. Most people don't care about yeah, old calendars. I mean, but. yeah, it's not 1999 now, but what if we go back? And at it's the true. time, like, the only website that you could, like, put in a date and see what the moon phase was was, like, NASA's official website. Like, there weren't other people that were making those kind of things at the time. Mm -hmm. yep. So, And as a side note, the dial-up sound that everything made drove me nuts. Yeah. And so I hated getting on the internet. Yeah, yes. And look at us now. That's one of my weird idiosyncrasies. Robert goes on to say, um, especially in a campaign like this, which is meant to take a long time, uh, I find that seemingly little details become great big ones later on and wanted to know if you felt the same way. That's what I like to call foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's that's just part of the game. <laughs> so, well, in, in our games, that happens in virtually every single campaign Rick runs because he loves... Yep. He loves his foreshadowing. Yeah. This book actually kind of included it for me because I, I liked the fact that there's this mysterious woman mm. binding outsiders and summoning evil fae. Yeah. Doing crazy stuff that you know nothing about. Yeah. Mm. Other than that, she's just a total jerk She's face. a peach. Yeah, yep. I'm not, not looking forward peach. to... Well, kind of looking forward to meeting her because I want to take her down because she's doing awful things. Yeah, yep. agreed. Robert goes on closing this out with, thanks all for now. 
you're all still doing great, and I'm as in love with the stream now as ever. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, see you around the boards, Robert. Bye. Uh, Robert <laughs> does include a PS here, which is PS. Pepper, my cat, wants to know when you're casting the role of Raven. She's asking for a friend. Aww. We have a second email. This one comes from Jim from Dungan Hold. Cool. Awesome. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jim. All right. Dungan Hold. <laughs> Love me, Dungan Hold. Jim writes in, hey, FTP crew. Hi. Hey, Jim. Hello. Yo. Jim from Dungan Hold, where the gun-toting dwarves have Jersey accents or Texas accents, depending on which recap episode you listen to. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we cannot be relied to maintain any consistency nope. on it's our true. recap episode. No, I mean, we already put really Texas can't. in the man away, so it's all kind of the same place. It's, yeah. you know, it's Texas, true. Jersey, I mean, what's the difference, really? What's, it's what's like the a difference? slight tilt on an accent. You can mm -hmm. sound like whatever you want. <laughs> all true. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to share Dungan Hold with Texans. One of my best friends moved there, and I got him and his wife to listen to Hell's Rebels. Oh, nice. Hi, Andy and Rachel. Hello. Hi, Hi Andy and Rachel. Hello. Thanks for listening. <laughs> nice. The more I have listened to Hell's Rebels, the more I want to play this campaign in 2E. I have fully fleshed out my character idea and am super excited to run them. However, I have no group and really mm. no time to play. Aww. I guess I will just have to keep them in mind if I ever get a chance to play 2E. That's sad. Yep. Yeah, good That's luck, though. I hope the you time is a yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Time. You could try time. play by post. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's not Maybe for everyone, so. but it no. is an option. But it is fun that if is you true. are into it. So, as I've written in the past, all of you are amazing. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. We work hard. I can tell from my multiple re listens how much you care and how much energy slash work you put into Hell's Rebels. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is my favorite actual play one. And FTP is my favorite actual play group Aww, to listen thank to. You. That oh, is thanks. high praise. Yeah, that's very that high praise. To say. Hoping that soon I'll have a little extra cash to join the Patreon and add Tyrant's Grass to my list. You have sixty something episodes. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you'll yeah. have you'll have some good stuff to listen to. Bring a tissue. It's uh, it's crazy. Bring a tissue, a single <laughs> tissue. Everything's going great. I, I, I bring a box of tissues. But yeah. Everything's going great. I don't know what they're talking about. That AP is all rainbows and sunshine. There's <laughs> unicorns and stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. there's, there's unicorns. unicorn in it. Technically a unicorn. Spoiler. Yeah. There's unicorns introduced, I think, in episode two. <laughs> anyway, enough praise and ramblings. I don't want Rick to need to make a fortitude or will save. <laughs> <laughs> he would have so to. So you both. only want to make, make a reflex save to dodge these. <laughs> I know all of y'all work very hard, especially Rick. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is true. Mm -hmm. This is true. Here are my questions. Oh. Answer my questions three. <laughs> there actually are questions three. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, African or European? I don't know that. <laughs> Number one, what are your thoughts and feelings on the optional free archetype rule? Uh, I like free. <laughs> yeah, free things you are nice. You had me at free. <laughs> I find them very interesting because I don't find that they, they boost the power of the group, but most people when they're taking a free archetype don't tend to, archetypes aren't as martially minded, so it more rounds out the stuff that they do outside of combat. Yeah. Yeah, like my, my investigator archetype, or not investigator, my vigilante archetype is not a combat-focused archetype. That's like a social archetype hmm. um, that's based around like, you know, being able to find like, have an alternate persona, create a safe house, like that kind of stuff. None of it is actually useful in combat, like directly, like I don't get new abilities or anything. 
Well, some of them do. Like, if you took a spellcaster one, you could get some spells. Yeah, but you never so like, get... if, you, if you took a class like uh, archetype dedication, then, you know, you might get something a little bit more. But I like how they did, um, I, I, what is it, uh, Strength of Thousands? They did, like, if you're if you're wanting to play, like, a martial character, you can you get the free archetype and you can take a, a caster class because you're supposed to be a some type of magical person. Hmm. There's something connected mm -hmm. something to like it. Something like that, I'm not I think. Exactly yeah, I think it's, uh, you got a choice between wizard or druid archetype if you huh. don't That's already cool. have a spellcasting one. Otherwise, I think you get the Megambian um, magic warrior archetype for free. Yeah, I, don't, I, I remember hearing something about that. Obviously, haven't played it. Um, really want to. Um, mm. But I remember that being like an interesting way to like tie people together. Like if you use the free archetype system to be like, okay, all of you join the special city guard you know at agents of Edgewatch, and so you all have a special archetype dedicated to that or something like that or you're playing a pirate game you all get the pirate archetype you're all pirates yeah, yeah you're exactly all pirates. I, I like that that aspect of like making you feel a little bit more connected to the story by nature of mm -hmm. some stuff that is not necessarily game breaking in terms of like the mechanics well and what's cool yeah. about it is it lets you get that stuff without sacrificing a class feat mm. yep yeah because yes. class feats are I think generally better than archetype feats for the most part they're the most powerful feats you could get yeah I, so it's, it's nice not to have to sacrifice them to take an archetype I, I think it does yeah like like everybody has been saying it does add a certain degree of power in that versatility on its own just is a sort of power but yeah I don't I don't think it really makes you at the point where you're considerably better off than somebody without one it's just it's a very nice bonus to have and so in general I'm in favor of it Mm -hmm. Nice. Still on this question, he states, I like how Rick tied it to the rebellion instead of just giving it to the players. Do you think other GMs should follow this example? And how would you do that with two adventure paths like Agents of Edgewatch? I would just follow. I find it better to just follow free archetype rules because I don't know. It just gets fiddly. Otherwise, it's already yeah. it's like every other level, like pretty straightforward, mm. easy to keep up with. You're already keeping up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. I can also just see, much as was implied with uh, Strength of Thousands, just go ahead and saying, all right, well, we're going to be starting um, one of the ones that takes place in Absalom, which I think are the first, like, three. Yeah. Mm. And just go, okay, well, and also all of you are members of the Pathfinder Society, and all of you get the free archetype rules for one of the Pathfinder Society archetypes. Yeah. Yeah. And just I mean, go. Just, yeah, yeah, you just tie it in. If you're worried about abuse of power when it comes to the archetypes, which, I mean, feasibly someone, some if someone really wanted to crunch the numbers, they could find what is the most combat advantageous archetype and then you could just limit it to everyone gets this one free archetype yeah. across the board yeah such as the pirate archetype if you want to play a pirate campaign and just give everyone the ability to do pirate stuff yeah and that way it's also not like you're moving everybody up to the same power level for lack of a better term where everybody's mm -hmm. getting the same ability boost like you don't have anybody that's like we did ours differently obviously because we all picked different archetypes but like if mm -hmm. I picked one that maybe wasn't super great, and then, like, you know, I don't know, Ross's uh, paladin, you know, or uh, champion dedication Liberator, is just way better than yeah, yeah. maybe I'll feel like I got gypped. But, I mean, if you do it all the mm. same, then everybody's getting the same boost. I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. Well, I also think it's way easier to retrain in 2E, so if you don't it like is. something, it's you can always fix easier. it. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, I think... Um, for the rebellion mechanics, it can work simply because, we're, in a way, we're like growing with the rebellion. But for other mm. games, I think it would be a little harder to implement. Like the Pathfinder Society is pretty well established at this point. It would be hard to be like, "Yeah, we're you know the Pathfinder Society finally can reach outside of Absalom." It's like, no, we we actually have lodges all over the world already. 
So I don't know. It would it would depend on the campaign, I think, a lot. Um, and in some cases, maybe just doing the free archetype would be the easier way to do it. Yeah. Just occurred to me, you know what I think would be a really neat thing is either a campaign or maybe just uh, someone doing their own short campaign, which takes place in Taldor, where everyone's attempting to establish their own knightly order. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so it's like we're oh, cool. the first knights of a new knightly order. And so like the group gets to build their own archetype and then they all get that archetype for free. That's That'd be cool. interesting. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. So that's a fun idea. I like it. I'll have to uh, do the work on that or maybe just give that away to free for free to anyone out there that wants to put together <laughs> your, you know, Taldor knighthood campaign, which actually sounds totally like my bad. Just call it Talden Knights, you know? Yeah, Talden yeah, Knights. Talladega sounds, Knights? I was going to say, it sounds too dang close it, to I thought I was going to get that vibe with the, nobody making that reference. Uh, <laughs> dang it. Uh, no. Sorry. My brain did I mean, My things. mind immediately went to like Talding Knights like Talding Days. I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jim has a second question for us. Yes. Technically, there are two questions in that first one, but the second one was a clarification Sneaky. on the first one. Mm. Are there any classes, archetypes, or prestige classes from 1E you would want to be converted to 2E? Inquisitors. Mm. Inquisitors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Inquisitors, right? Yeah. I mean, I got I, I got my summoner, so... I, I would look yeah. forward to an Arcanist. Do they have war priests in second edition? It's a cleric... Thing. Yeah, you can be a war priest type. or a cloister Sub-class cleric. Subclass or whatever they call them. Oh, the like, like, it's like your path. Oh, like, you know, the rogues, like rackets and. The rackets, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Wizards, yeah. thesis, and things like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if there's actually a proper term for those. I've always just kind of called them subclasses. I think I've, I picked that up from somewhere. Maybe uh, the folks over at No Direction. Let's just go back to AD&D and call them kits. Kits. Yeah. Yes, your, cast, your class kit. Yes. That seems the <laughs> simplest way to do it. Not to be but, confused yeah. with your equipment kit, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Rachel, Ross, do either of you have a class archetype so, you're wanting to convert? Because I'm, you know, sort of a history nerd, uh, I really, really love the phalanx soldier fighter archetype. I uh, never nice. actually got a chance to play one, Oh, sadly. they don't have that yet? No, no, they're, uh, they, they don't. I mean, you can specialize in tower shields, but you don't get the, like, you know, hold mm. a spear in one hand because that's what failing soldiers right. did i would love to be able to take that even if it was just limited to regular spears instead of pull arms because you yeah. know the only real difference between them now is the additional traits that the pull arms get that spears generally don't get your leonidas on yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah i think that would be really cool i wished i hope that there's something like that at some point nice I don't know, because I'm not as familiar with, like, the extended list of prestige classes, because I haven't really done a whole lot of them. I will say, though, I would like to see some of the uh, occult classes come in there. Like, mm-hmm. I always, I really liked the medium and the spiritualist and all of those, so I'd like to see those kind of make their way into 2E. I think that'd be fun. I think a medium would be interesting. Yeah. I wonder that if they will. Fun. I hope yeah, so. I don't know. I, I like my, my weird you know, <laughs> classes like that. I almost wonder if the summoner absorbed the spiritualist. Because I know that mm. you can Might make like been, a yeah. phantasm type Edelon, I think. I think that is one of the options for 2E summoner. Yeah. So, so it'd be interesting to see how they like convert those over or combine them or, or, or like yeah, occultists. Yeah. Because yeah. the occultists would be really neat. Absolutely. Any of those would be really neat. I like the occult stuff. Awesome. Jim has a third question for us, which is well, it's a statement followed by question. 
I started working on Hell's uh, on a Hell's Rebels Spotify playlist. Oh, cool. cool. Choosing songs inspired by the rebellion like Outlaws and Outsiders by Corey Marks, Undivided by Bon Jovi, and Underdog by Audio Adrenaline. Cool. What song would you pick themed around your character? Cesare has a playlist of like six songs. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) But I don't know if it's spoilery to tell you some of them. So pick one that's not spoilery. I mean, the song that I go to that's like the one that I quoted in his backstory is uh, Footsteps or Go Higher. Sometimes it's called by Pop Evil. I mean, it's not a character song. But there is a it's a remix done by Sam DeJong of uh, Disturbs. Are you ready? Which is actually really good. Uh, yeah. It has some lines in there that are very rebellion lines. All right, I've got Lucia's by Lily Allen. F you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all like very sing-songy, and I'm like, I feel like that would be a very Lucia vibes. Also, the lyrics of that are spot on. <laughs> I love the song uh, uh, "Burn the House Down" by AJR. Um, mm. It just. I feel like it, it kind of encompasses that, you know, it's like, oh, we got to do something, you know. <laughs> so, it's a great song. <laughs> I think for uh, Niccolo, I'm going to settle upon uh, Phoenix by Fallout Boy. Nice. Oh, okay. Nice. That's a fun song. Yeah. Funny enough, actually, I think I chose, um, a, no, it wasn't Fallout Boy. Who was that? I chose a song for Brazil Eye. Hmm. I, don't, I don't remember. It's, um, the, it's Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco, yes. Yeah, they sound similar to me. I'm sure that there are many reasons why they're not. So for somebody, some reason, somebody who's listening to that immediately to goes, no, they're very different. Yeah, very I know. Somebody sounds. is already probably like, you know, <laughs> going to be spamming me comments of like, how dare you? And I'm like, I'm sorry. They Panic just never sound sold out, man. They're all me. original. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, Panic at the Disco's uh, Emperor's New Clothes. Mm. <laughs> nice. Just, just the vibe. Nice. Also, this is a this is a cheap way out, but uh, anything by the band Rise Against. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna. I was. I'm very torn. I'm gonna pull Rachel. Uh, I'm torn is between. Torn? <laughs> <laughs> not torn. That is definitely not an Adria song. Uh, between Hurricane by Seventy Sixth Street, which is all about getting into a fight, and Him by Kesha, which is much more focused on like the good side of what Adria wants yeah. to do. Yeah. Pulled a Rachel there. I pulled a Rachel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you go, Jim. Hopefully that adds to your Spotify playlist. He goes on to close out saying, uh, once you're done casting the Lords of Hell, I suggest that you cast key NPCs. Which okay. could be fun. That could be fun, yeah, yeah. I'd say that would be fun. We've got a fair number, too. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys have a lot of NPCs building up. Although with I like some of them that we idea. have been casting as we go. That's true. Anyway, I will stop there. I'm sure that I could keep going on and on, but then this rumor mill would be really long. I hope 2022 will be a good year for you all. God bless, Jim. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. 2022 is well for you, too. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, events in the world are showing that it's not shaping up to be a good year for a lot of people, but hopefully it will get better. Mm -hmm. So y'all keep crossing our fingers. Yeah, Yeah, mine are about to break from how much I've crossed them, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) We go on from there to cast our next uh, Lord of Hell. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have circled all the way down now to the fifth layer. All right. Okie dokie. Today we're going to be casting the Aster of Swampy Stygia, Hell's fifth layer. Gross. Garion is the source of all great heresies. It was formerly an Asherana before becoming an archdevil. It notably devoured 812 other tyrants of hell before swearing itself to Asmodeus in the only vow. It's a lot of tyrants of hell. It's a lot yep. of ticks on the board. Jeez. <laughs> He's hungry. 
Yeah, apparently. I thought I was the hungry one around here. Garyon appears as a knot of three massive scaled serpents. Humanoid torsos, including devilish arms and heads, sit at the end of each of the serpents' bodies. As the Imperial Lord Asmodeus found a simple, darkened shrine in Hell when wandering the Great Beyond, the serpent that would become Garyon appeared and asked him who he was. Asmodeus learnt of the serpent and its people, the Asuras, as well as its neighbors in Hell, the Vestrax. <laughs> Asmodeus learned much of beings beyond Heaven, and he in turn shared many of Heaven's truths and innovations to the Asuras and the Vestriax before returning to Heaven. The serpent recognized Asmodeus and remembered all they had learned from one another after he fell from heaven and led his followers in exodus to hell. Hmm. It petitioned to enter Dis, a bastion only hastily claimed by Asmodeus, and spoke in private to him. As they negotiated, a truce held between the invaders and the defenders before the serpent exploded from Asmodeus's keep and nearly destroyed Dis. The serpent issued a call for Hell's tyrants to unite their armies against Heaven's rejects. 812 Ashura Ranas, Vestric demagogues, and Gygus warlords answered the call, and the serpent wow. consumed them all. Oh. With their armies shattered, the Ashura Ranas cursed the serpent and fled to a corner of hell called Atulu, while the only Vestrex departed hell for the Shadow Plane, granting Asmodeus and his followers a foothold over hell. Hmm. Only Asmodeus knows what promises turn the serpent against its people. Huh. Asmodeus's forces proceeded to conquer the entirety of hell, except for the serpent's realm of Stygia, where the treasures, slaves, and cities of hell's defiant inhabitants were transferred. Only the end of the conquest, Asmodeus granted the serpent a legion of devils for it to consume and share their blood, along with all their spoils, wisdoms, and the secrets of the Ashura, and allowed it to continue ruling over Stygia. The serpent swore itself to Asmodeus in the only vow, a word that none remembers, and Asmodeus named it Garion. <laughs> uh, he is the okay. devil prince of uh, forbidden knowledge, which he craves over all things. Old libraries amidst the ruins of fallen or felling kingdoms, as well as uh, heresy and snakes. Okay. All right. Well, Good. then. All right. Wholesome. That's a wide net of beings or people who could be this thing. <laughs> this In this serpent. case, I have mine, although I don't, I don't think he's been cast, so I'm going to go with it. And we'll go ahead and just cast one person, despite the fact that there are three step separate torsos on here. Yeah, so someone who can say, play all three I don't characters. know if I can okay. cast three people at once for this. All right, I mean, all I've right. got three. No, you've got to have one. Of course you one. do, Rachel. If <laughs> <laughs> pertinent, it took some digging, but there's a piece of artwork for him. Hmm. Weird. Cool. Three conjoined snakes. That is not exactly what I was expecting, but that is very interesting. <laughs> hmm. uh, I've got an idea. So, one a character, a lot of range can portray someone like very knowledgeable and learned, but also very frightening, particularly when angered, and portray three characters simultaneously, so a lot of range. Oh no. John Noble. <laughs> All right. That was mine. Oh. <laughs> you can of course have the same. Yeah, I know. It's uh, just... John Noble is an Australian actor. Um, he's of course known, uh, most people probably immediately know him as being the- King Denethor yeah. from, uh, or Stuart Denethor, Stuart Denethor from Lord of the Rings, where he uh, ruled the White City. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm immediately thinking uh, Walter Bishop from <laughs> yep. Fringe. That is exactly what I was thinking too. Uh, especially when he's playing like kind of multiple versions of Walter Bishop, mm -hmm. who are like varying levels of intimidating and crazy. Mm -hmm. The guy How much has amazing range. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he has an amazing range. He's great in almost like everything I've seen him in. So uh, he's just a phenomenal actor. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was mine, so I guess that's just Rick and Ross's. Ross agrees with it. <laughs> Ross, my, our brains were going to the same Woo, place. Brain. God, he's so good. I'm going to keep saying this guy until he gets cast for something. Peter Stormare. Did he not yet? No. He plays oh. Lucifer in the Constantine movie with... Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, yes. Mm-hmm. And he also plays Chernabog, I think, in American... Uh, yeah, he is Chernabog. Whatever. I but think he's been put up for more than one he thing. He has been he's put up so won. many times. He is. He looks a little snake-like, even. Mm. And he's very good at playing evil, but like delightfully evil in some ways. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go to a weird place here. Oh, no. I'm going to okay. go out into the cosmos across the Great Divide to D&D World, um, where Joe Mangianello is uh, known for being <laughs> quite the geek uh, when it comes to playing D&D and would be really okay. good at being three simultaneous people. <laughs> for those who don't know, he's an actor who's been in like True Blood and some other he's stuff. He's like an actual actor. Who I can guarantee you every actor. woman listening to this right now knows who Joe Mangianello is. Well, for the men who don't know who he is, uh, go look up, go look, go Google him. He's he's funny. He's he's definitely so got he some was, acting he chops. He was Flash Thompson. He was Flash Thompson back in the original Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. He was wow. indeed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. I am going to go with Tony Todd. Candyman. Oh, yep. I thought, yeah, we'd put him up for something um, else before he's, too. He's a good he's choice. He's been in so many things. <laughs> Agreed. He's Candyman. Yeah, he's the Candyman in the original 1992, and then in uh, the remake from a couple years ago. He was uh, Kern, Worf's brother, in the Star Trek uh, Next Generation series. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. He's in everything. Like looking at his IMDb, he has so much voice work for like video games and. I was gonna say, if you're from our Mission. generation, you know him as the creepy uh, mortuary guy from Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> his voice is just very, very distinctive, and for some reason, just this, you know, serpent made me think. Okay, he's this is gonna have to have some sort of distinctive, like booming voice, and my brain went to Tony Todd. So that's my pick. Yeah. So mine might also be a bit of an off-the-wall choice, but I like it. I'm going for Javier Bardem because I think the man is capable of, again, that range. He's good at playing different kinds of sinister, too. Mm. Like in Mother, it was kind of like almost a a helpless sinister thing. In Pirates of the Caribbean, he's got the whole pirate sinister thing. In in, uh, um, James Bond, he had that Mm. almost charismatic evil. Like, he's just good at... Oh, and the the one he's most sinister of all is No Country for Old Men. Mm -hmm. He was really the best part about that whole movie is Anton Chigurh. I mean, he Mm. plays sinister so well, but if you see him in interviews, he's one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Gotta be, gotta be. So, Javier Bardem. Yeah, apparently Mm. he's also slated to play King Triton in the live-action Little Mermaid. He's also uh, slated to play uh, Frankenstein's monster in Bride of Frankenstein. Hmm. Hmm. Odd again. Well, that seems like an interesting uh, collection of actors there, so... Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, a wide range of uh, of options there for you for casting the uh, the Lord of the Fifth, and uh, so as always, I believe you can go on our Discord. We have a channel on there for casting the powerful folk. I believe is what we refer Indeed. to it as. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and cast your votes there. Yeah, jump on there, uh, check out the works of these uh, these famed individuals, and see uh, which one you think works best for the role of Gerion. Which, again, I keep wanting to pronounce as Grayon, but apparently it is Jerion. It's, it's uh, well, if you're looking at the pronunciation, it's, it's Jurion. 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 Sounds Gur. like a Pokemon. Jurion. It does sound like a Pokemon. 
Jurion, go! So, yeah. <laughs> it's a type of Eevee. And it's apparently from Greek mythology, which is why it's nothing yeah. like that makes it's sense. Uh, spelled. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. And then, of course, Greek follow book. back up where we get to see the continued uh, adventures of the Silver Ravens as they finish their fight against Nox, finish their uh, exploration of the Mini Steps Monastery, and maybe figure out where they're going for this upcoming book. Mm-hmm. <gasps> so, let's say I'm really interested in what's happening next. Mm. So until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. <laughs> yeah, Bye, Have fun out there, everyone. Bye, see you next time. Talk at you next time. Talk at you. See anybody. It's kind of like we're talking with them, but they're just really quiet. Yeah. They're like the yeah. wallflower. Yeah. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. <laughs>